0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans. On Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans. From the West Coast, I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Monday, December 28th. And I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PVH, how's it going, my friend? On well, buddy. How are you? I'm uh, very well, thank you. Good to be with you. We are also joined by South Stands contributor, Chad Plummer from Cleveland CP. What's the word from the 216?
1: All good. Uh, up here in the 216, guys. Good to be on with you, man. All good right,
0: buddy. You guys had a great holiday. <laughs> yeah, likewise. We also have special contributor Matt Sloan from Brooklyn along for the ride today. Sloaner, good to be with you today. How's it going, my friend?
2: Uh, You know, smiling through the pain.
0: (laughs) 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 Finally, we are thrilled to have our man on the ground in New Canaan, Tim Gallagher, after his season-long hiatus. TG, happy holidays. How are you, my friend?
3: Season's greetings coming out for the
0: playoffs. <laughs> All right. Of course, we are here to preview number three Ohio State's college football playoff semifinal with number two Clemson in the All-State Sugar Bowl in the Superdome in New Orleans this coming Friday, January 1st. The line is Clemson minus seven and a half. The over-under is 66 and a half. The game is an 8 p.m. Eastern kick on ESPN with, of course, Herb Street and Fowler on the call. Now, boys, as as you know, I usually like to dig into the stats when I'm looking at a game like this, but Clemson has played five more games than Ohio State. They played 11 to Ohio State 6. So I'm not entirely sure comparing stats is the best way to look at this game. Clemson, let's face it, they had five more games against mediocre to lousy competition to pad their stats. So what I've done is I've leveraged the pro football focus grades for each team in some key areas. Now, the PFF grades aren't the end-all be-all, but they do grade every player on every play. And I think these might help give us a better handle on this matchup than some of the traditional stats, though I will share some of those. Plus, I'm paying $29 for this damn subscription, so I want to put these grades to use. The first pro football focus grade that I thought was revealing, very interesting, is the overall grade for each team. Pro football focus grades Ohio State 94.9, that's fourth in the FBS. Meanwhile, Clemson, 92.3, that's 10th in the FBS. Now, most people would tell you Clemson's the better team. They're the seven and a half point favorite in this game. But at least in terms of the pro football focus grades, there's a bit of a margin there. They like Ohio State a little bit better. And if you're looking at both offenses, they grade Ohio State 92.2, that's fifth in the FBS. Clemson, 85.1, that's 19th in the FBS. So again, a little bit of a margin there. They like Ohio State's offense a little better defensively. Now, this is where I thought was pretty interesting. Pro football focus basically sees these defenses equals. They have Ohio State graded slightly ahead of Clemson, believe it or not. 91.3 is the grade. That's fifth in the FBS. Clemson, 91.2. That's sixth in the FBS. Now, you look at some of the traditional defensive metrics, you're going to see a wider margin in Clemson's favor. But I did think that was interesting. Pro football focus really likes Ohio State. And again, they grade every player on every play. So very interesting there. Let's have a quick look at the Clemson offense, then I want to go around the horn, guys, and get a concern each of you has looking at the Clemson offense and then a matchup that you like for Ohio State against the offense. It all starts with Heisman finalist Trevor Lawrence. Now, he's having a really good season. He's averaging 270 yards per game. That's up from 244 last year. He's completing 69% of his passes. Those are career highs. He's also cut his interceptions in half only four this season, down from eight in 2019. Now, he is operating with four new starters on the offensive line. Left tackle Jackson Carmen is the only returning starter on the O-line for Clemson, but they've done a pretty solid job of protecting him. Lawrence has only been sacked 13 times. Now, Lawrence has not been as effective as a runner this season as he was last year. And that's probably where a diminished offensive line comes into play. He's Clemson's second leading rusher, both in attempts and yards, but his per carry average is down almost two yards from 2019. He's only averaging 3.6 yards per carry. But we know he's still very dangerous as a runner. And if you don't account for him like Notre Dame in the ACC title game, he can still kill you on the ground. Of course, the other player to be very concerned about is Travis Etienne. Now, Etienne and Lawrence, you could argue two of the top five players in the country, maybe two of the top 10. Now, Etienne's per carry average is also down this season more than two yards. He's only averaging 5.6 yards a pop, but Etienne has been more involved in the passing game this season, guys. He has 44 receptions for 524 yards, and he's averaging just under 12 yards a catch at 11.9. Those are all career highs for Etienne. And I think that's really where. Clemson is going to look to get ETN involved is in the passing game. Finally, let's have a quick look at the receivers. Not unlike Ohio State, Clemson has been a two-man show at receiver this season, but in their case, it's been largely due to injuries. Their best receiver is senior Amari Rogers. He was voted first team all ACC. Now, Rogers operates out of the slot, which means at least in theory, Marcus Williams will draw him in coverage. Yikes. I hope Kerry Combs has a better plan than that. Clemson's second leading receiver, fifth year senior Cornell Powell. Now, Powell reminds me a little bit of Terry McLaurin. Been around the program a long time, had to wait a while behind some really talented receivers to get his opportunity, and he's making the most of his last season at Clemson with 45 receptions for 743 yards and five touchdowns. He's also averaging 16 and a half yards per reception. Finally, freshman E.J. Williams is the other starter on the outside opposite Powell. He, is, uh, he was a top 100 player in Clemson's 2020 class, and he's, he's only got about 19 receptions this year. He's come on late. He caught a touchdown against Notre Dame in the ACC title game, had another big one-handed catch in that game. But again, he's a true freshman. I don't think, guys, we're looking at a receiver group in Clemson that is as potent or dangerous as previous receiver groups that Ohio State has faced in the playoffs, right? That's the skinny on the Clemson offense. Tim, I want to start with you. What is your biggest concern for Ohio State facing this Clemson offense?
3: So my biggest concern is uh, how Ohio State plays at the position of safety. Mm. Uh, I I want to like Josh Proctor a lot more than I actually like him. Yeah. Um you know, the guy makes big hits, and, and he's an athlete, but he makes a lot of mistakes. He overruns plays. So does Hooker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I'm still tortured by last year's, you know, Trevor Lawrence 65-yard run where Josh Proctor's uh, jockstrap still lays on the 42-yard <laughs> line. Um, you know, and by the way, like, I expected him to improve that part of his game this year. it hasn't. Yeah. Uh and and it's a bit disconcerting and maybe look maybe Jordan Fuller was that good yeah. uh, and we're just too used to the fact that there's a guy back there that nothing gets by him. Yeah. But um you know that's my biggest concern is is the very back end uh of the defense and the playmakers that they have if they get loose uh the 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 ability for Ohio State's defense to give up big plays uh without somebody back there who's that good. Uh, And so that's my biggest concern facing the
4: the Clemson offense. Paige, when you asked us that question, I thought a lot about it. And the only thing I kept really coming back to is my, my biggest concern is just losing this fucking game. (laughs) <laughs> I can't, I don't know if I can do it again. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, there's a myriad of different things that are out there, um, right. but uh, you know, just being this the scarred Ohio state fan, that's, that's the thing that I just keep coming back to. Um, but specifically, if, if you have to point it out, um, it, it is Lawrence in, in the running game. I think yeah. if you just go back to last year, you know, notwithstanding what the nine things that had to go poorly for us to to lose that game, you know, whatever, you know, touchdowns taking off the board and ejections and, and whatnot. Really what that game came down to was Lawrence making plays in the fourth quarter that mm-hmm. just absolutely, you know, crushed us. He, you know, to his credit, he put that team on his back and he carried them to victory. And so he's. You know, obviously, exceptionally, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. They're Mm -hmm. going to have to account for him on every single play. Um, You know, I I do agree with you. It's probably not anywhere close to the potency of their offense last year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not quite as concerned maybe about the secondary, um, uh, you know, that you might be on paper because I just don't think their wideouts are as good now. You know, there's obvious reasons to be concerned there, but it, it it comes down to containing Lawrence, and in those crucial, crucial moments, right when they need a play, can they stop Lawrence from killing them? And if they can do that, I think they got a chance. Chad,
1: I'm going to have to say it's going to be the linebacker play, mm. Um, because you've got things that you've mentioned, like you've got Trevor Lawrence's feet, um, you know, Etn, those guys. They don't always go for those like big long plays, and and we need Browning and Tough and and whoever else is in there to step up and take care of of the the you know what they're reading and not get all twisted up. Werner being out, you know who okay. knows where. They linebackers have to be stay home and read you know the offense correctly and make the plays. Okay.
2: Matt, how about you? Well, I, I liken this to the logic behind getting your prostate exam at your fifty. There's just an undeniable kind of reasoning behind it, and I just think that they—I just think that they have more experience in their coaching. The thing that I worry the most about is that you got a gin and tonic defensive coordinator and coach who work really well together and are very good at making in-game adjustments. Mm-hmm. I think that was the difference this year. I think we have a. I it wouldn't be an exaggeration, a wildly young coaching staff in terms of people at their position, head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, who really don't have a lot of years under the belt. And to put another strand to it, you know, the working relationship is still kind of new. Yeah. That true. worries me more than anything, because in games like this where you have, equal talent on both sides it really comes down to prep work and in-game coaching and that is the thing that i worry about the best if is day really good in game coaching can coombs make in game adjustments that will stifle trevor lawrence where he's picking us apart those are the kind of things that is the biggest concern
0: for me yeah those are real questions i i share your concerns there Pro Football Focus grades the Ohio State defense 63rd in the FBS in tackling with a grade of 66.9. Tim, Chad, Paige, all you guys, I'm kind of echoing your concerns here with, with this one. Last year, PFF graded the Buckeye defense 6th in the FBS in tackling with a grade of 88.7. So this year's defense is down 22 percentage points in that category. Also, according to PFS, since 2014, only two players – Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor and Utah's Zach Moss have made more tacklers miss than Travis Etienne. Etienne is as good as anyone in the country at making dudes miss. In last year's Fiesta Bowl, the Ohio State defense, which again finished sixth in the country, according to PFF, in tackling, had a season-high 12 miss tackles. And several of those, as we all remember, led directly to Clemson touchdowns. Actually, three of them. I'm not going to review them here for you. We all remember them. Three of them led to Clemson touchdowns. 21 points on the board that could be attributed to missed Ohio State tackles. So that's a big concern for me. I'm with you guys on the, the play of the safeties and the linebackers. I think they're collectively going to have to play their best game of, the, of their careers in this game. And hey, how about some more snaps for Justin Hilliard, by the way? I mean, even in his limited playing time, hey, Hilliard, man. Hilliard is the highest graded tackler among the Buckeye linebackers, according to Pro Football Focus. And look, the dude has shown a knack for making big plays. I mean, you go all the way back to the Penn State game last year. People forget he had a huge interception in the fourth quarter of that game with Penn State driving deep in Ohio State territory. We remember what he did against Northwestern, right? The big pick in the end zone, a fumble recovery, two tackles for loss. I mean, this guy needs to play more. I think he's their best linebacker. I don't even think it's close. I think, you know, would he come in in nickel situations,
4: right? Like I want to see situations where there are four linebackers on the field at the same time, Hilliard being one of them. And I don't think you want to necessarily take time away from Browning. Right. Um, But then have, you know, in, in obvious, say like, you know, third down passing situations, and you know one of those guys obviously just spying lawrence i think that's you know that's something that ohio state needs to be thinking about yeah and you know if it if it just means it's a three-man rush well then you know you take your chances with Togi, garrett and you know whomever cooper Mm -hmm. to get a little bit of pressure on them but don't let clemson you know have etn swing out of the backfield and kill you for 20 yards
0: which happened over and over last year yeah he's 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 lethal. I think that's where he's his most dangerous, actually. I don't know how you do it. I'm not a smart enough football guy to know this, but I see Justin Hilliard as a guy that every time he steps on the field, even in limited action, he has a knack for making plays. And and we need playmaking from that linebacker core. There just hasn't been enough of that. And you guys know I've been banging that drum all season long. Let's go back around the horn now. I want to get one matchup that each of you like for the Ohio State defense versus the Clemson offense. Tim, I'm going to start with you.
3: You know, uh, you mentioned that at the beginning. I really like our defensive line against their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're young. They've had, you know, one year of experience so far. Uh, but this is going to be a different game for a lot of those guys. Yeah. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it, it bothers me to no end that Jackson Carmen's on their team and not ours. <laughs> uh and also, their left guard <laughs> is from Ohio. Yeah, uh, right. both of those things piss me off. <laughs> uh, but we'll call that we'll call that a rare a rare recruiting failure from for Urban Meyer. But um, you know, I uh, I do think that uh, Harrison Cooper, Vincent Togiai, Garrett. I, I think those guys are going to come to play, uh, and uh, and I think that they're going to get pressure. And then the question is just as we've been debating. You know how do the linebackers and safeties react okay. uh, when uh, when when things break down? Because I think I think the defensive line is going to have a good day.
0: Matt,
2: yeah, I mean that's that's been the standout the whole year, and I think like uh, Harrison, I think is going to have surprisingly a big game. If there's one thing that I would really like to see a matchup area is I like to see Sean Wade kind of kind of meet his expectation. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has this year,
0: mm-hmm. so
2: I think this is a game where he can either, his his stock is going to go way up or way down. So I, I there's a there's a point in me that feels like he's going to, you know, hopefully he'll be quarantined from his dad for a week. <laughs> and, and he can just focus on the game and really kind of get back to what he does well.
0: All right. How about you,
1: Chad? This is probably going to go uh, way off. And you guys are going to scratch your heads or whatever. But I'll tell you what, you're going to see a big, big game from Lantham Ransom. He Nathan is going, I like that matchup. Yep. He's going to get a lot of playing time. If not, well, like he might even be starting. Um, wow. So okay. I'm going to give that. I'm, I'm talking about outside of the obvious, like the defensive line and those types of things. I like it. But I, I, I'm i telling you, I think he could get the nod and be starting back there. And it's going to be a big difference for us in the, 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 the secondary. Paige, what
4: did you think? Well, when we spend a whole season lamenting and complaining about our linebackers and secondary, when you got to pick one thing to be focused on from a positive perspective, it really only leaves the defensive line. So <laughs> as Gallagher said, that's kind of where you got to go. But I, you know, to, to echo Chad's point, you know, with with ransom and and this is where, you know, it's it's funny because all you hear about is hey we're not worthy cuz we didn't play six games and we're healthy and stuff. But you could flip that on its the, the other side of that coin is these guys didn't get game wraps. Yeah. So imagine if they had, you know, five games mm-hmm. against everyone else on their original schedule outside of Oregon who they would have beat by 30, these guys would have had a ton of PT and I think Ransom could be you know, with with Proctor and Hilliard, you know a, a potential X factor in this game. A guy that we haven't seen all year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had an opportunity to get the reps, and he clearly can play. He he flashed some some great things against Northwestern. I like that, and I was kind of thinking the same thing. He could be, you know, we need a guy. I just feel like something to to fire this team up. Right? I always go back to Darren Lee in the uh, semifinal against Bama, yes, where he's sir. just talking shit to Lane Kiffin, <laughs> right? Like we need something like that to fire this defense up, and right. I, you know, it's probably not going to be a true freshman, but I think with his play, we could get you know we could get something out of him that we weren't quite expecting.
0: The only thing that makes me a little nervous about a young guy seeing serious playing time for the first time, really. In a game of this magnitude is, you know, Josh Proctor last year, right? I mean, he got his first real taste of playing time against Clemson. They decided to play more with two safeties. And oof, it was a rough night for, for Proctor. But hey, you know, maybe that's not to say Ransom can't buck that trend. And you know what? I think I don't think they have a choice. I think they are gonna have to lean on some young guys and just hope they're ready for the moment. I'm with you, PBH. It, it, it kind of all comes back to the defensive line as the one matchup I think we all agree that we we really like, and there aren't many others that that I like, to be honest. But I actually don't hate the matchup of Sean Wade and Seven Banks on the outside against Cornell Powell and EJ Williams. Now, I wouldn't say Ohio State has a decisive advantage there, but it's a matchup I think Ohio State can win. Look, Powell's a fifth-year senior that Clemson wasn't really expecting to count on this season, but injuries have forced him into a starting role. He's played well. Give him a ton of credit, but he's nowhere near the type of receiver Clemson has had on the outside over the years, right? DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams, T. Higgins, Justin Ross. Now, Williams on the other side, EJ Williams, he's got nice size, six foot three, but he's only a true freshman with 19 receptions this season. So I think that's a matchup. Ohio State can win. I, I don't think it's a decisive advantage for Ohio State, but I think it's one they can win.
3: Do you put Wade back in the slot for this game, given he's, what he's played the last two years, and put him on Rogers?
0: That's a great question, and I think that's one that's been debated on all the podcasts that I've listened up to to this point. So that means you take him away, you take him off the outside. Now, who do you put on the outside to replace him? Is there somebody else that's really stood out or proven to be a reliable guy on the outside? I think what could happen is Josh Proctor moving into the slot at corner. Now, he is he is one of Ohio State's top coverage defensive backs, believe it or not. Now, he's been a little dicey, as you pointed out, Tim, uh, You know, coming up on, on tackles, right? He's been taking some banana angles. He did, he did against Northwestern, right, for that long Q run that happened there. But he has been very good for Ohio State in coverage. If you believe in what you saw from Marcus Hooker against Michigan State, and I don't know that it was only one game, it was against a pretty lousy passing offense, but Hooker, he, show, he actually showed some improved play in that game. Would Ohio State move Hooker back to free safety and then move Josh Proctor down to the slot to cover Amari Rogers there? I don't that, that might be one answer. I just don't know if you move Sean Wade from the outside into the slot, who's the guy that's going to replace him on the outside? Is anybody? Tim, do you have any idea who that would be? I just don't know.
3: No, I don't have a great answer for it. Yeah. Um, but, but my thought was you put your best guys on your best guys. Yeah. And, and I want, if, that, if you're going with that, then you want Wade on Rodgers and you take your chances on the outside.
0: Maybe it's situational. You know, maybe when you know it's a, a crucial third down and you know Rodgers is the likely target, then Wade moves over to the slot and covers him. But I, I think Coombs is going to have to get creative. Would, I think we'd all agree on that right i you're not going to let marcus williamson who's who's consistently graded out as one of your worst defenders all season long i just, you can't just can't settle for that matchup. You have to get created there i I would think right
2: yeah I mean this is a game, but this is as much a going be a indictment on the coaching of Ohio State coaching because it's a great thing to have a rematch, but if you get beat again, you're going to start living inside the other team's head, and yeah you know we need. Frankly, from an Ohio State standpoint, I need to see growth from our coaches. This, this, there needs to be something. And I, know, I knew I harped on this before, but like having switching up the plays, bringing in some different kind of schemes, confusing yeah. Clemson is going to be the only way. If we look how we do on film, then you know they're going
0: to be as handily. Yeah, they got to break tendencies. I think is is the yeah, way they exactly would say. Right. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's have a look at the Clemson defense. I think it's a pretty good unit. They're second nationally in sacks, averaging four per game, second nationally in tackles for loss, averaging over nine a game. Here's an interesting stat. 19 different Clemson defensive players have recorded a sack this season. They're sixth nationally in total defense. They're fifth in defensive yards per play. They're ninth nationally in interceptions, 14th nationally in fumble recoveries. Look, this is a defense that can get after the quarterback. They can get in the backfield and they can, and they can force turnovers. You got to respect what they can do. Now, it's interesting. The Clemson defensive line is a little bit better than it was a year ago, not quite as good as the 2016 unit that we saw that really dominated Ohio State. They've had a lot of veteran guys not really step up for them uh, for various reasons defensive end Justin Foster hasn't played all year long Xavier Thomas who's probably their most talented de- rush end he's missed a ton of time this season he missed the ACC title game for undisclosed reasons Logan Rudolph who i believe was a starter or played significantly for Clemson last year on the defensive line gave up football to pursue an acting career and defensive tackle Tyler Davis who's probably their their most experienced best defensive tackle has been injured most of the year now what Clemson does have our two very talented true freshmen that have played very well for them this year. That's It starts with defensive tackle Brian Brise. Brise was the number one overall player in the 2020 class, the number one defensive tackle prospect in the country, and he's lived up to the billing. He was voted first team all ACC. He was the ACC defensive rookie of the year. He leads Clemson with 24 pressures according to PFF. Defensive end, Miles Murphy, also another ballyhooed freshman. He was the number one defensive end in the country, number seven overall prospect. Now, he's tied for the team lead in sacks with four. He's also Clemson's top-graded defender, according to PFF. So those two young guys have played a ton, and they've delivered as true freshmen. Their best all-around defensive lineman, I mentioned him earlier, is sophomore tackle Tyler Davis. He's back from injury. So they're going to be very tough up the middle, I think, with Brise and Davis. Clemson is in the middle of that defensive line. Paige, your boy, James, what did you call him? Schlotzky's Deli, James Skulski. Schlotzky's Deli, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> he's the anchor of that defense in the middle, and he missed three games this season because of an injury, but he was still voted second team all ACC, a very important part of the Clemson defense. Their best linebacker, however, might be weak side linebacker, Balin Spector. He leads Clemson in tackles, and he's second on the team in tackles for loss with nine and a half. You guys may remember Spector had two sacks of Justin Fields in last year's playoff game. And the dude never leaves the field. He's second on the Clemson defense and snaps played with 458. There's another very important senior. Chad, you mentioned him in our last pod. It's senior safety Nolan Turner. He's Clemson's second leading tackler. He leads the defense and snaps played with 539. Now, he's, he's kind of like their Jordan Fuller. Super steady, never leads the field. He's got the ultimate trust of the coaching staff. He was voted second team all ACC. And Chad, as you pointed out in our last pod, Turner's going to be serving a targeting suspension in the first half of the Sugar Bowl. So there may be some opportunities downfield, right, against Turner's replacement. Finally, I want to talk real quickly about what Clemson has at cornerback. They've got three kids they really like, starting with junior cornerback Darion Kendrick. He's a first-team All-ACC selection. Opposing quarterbacks are only completing about 36% of the balls they throw at Kendrick, and he's only given up one touchdown pass this year. And they have a pair of sophomore corners in Andrew Booth and Sheridan Jones that they also really like. Booth was a second team All-ACC selection. Now, pro football focus grades the Clemson D very high in coverage. 87.1 is the grade they gave Clemson. That's 16th in the FBS. So these corners plus Turner at safety are a big reason why Clemson is graded out really well in coverage. That is a really solid secondary there, boys. I want to go back around the horn now and get from each of you one big concern you have for Ohio State facing this Clemson defense. Paige, I'm going to start with you this time. What's your biggest concern?
4: Wow, I I wasn't that concerned until I heard all that.
1: So
4: now <laughs> 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 no, I to, I don't even think we should show up. This isn't going to be close. You know, I, no, I. You know the the one thing about Venables and that defense is, man, that guy throws a lot of different looks at you. And yeah, one of the does. things that I think we talked about, you know, would, would they maybe ratchet back the aggressiveness, um, you know, just from a coaching standpoint and what do they want to do? So, you know, do they try and establish the run, you know, and I, I, candidly, I, I had no idea their corners were as graded as high, highly as you just said, because mm-hmm. what I was thinking is as much as, I want to say after that performance against Northwestern that that's what they would try and do, but then my, the other half of me says just no. Ryan Day is just going to do what he does, right? He's like, I got Justin Fields, I got Garrett Wilson, I got Chris Olave. You got good players too, but you're going to have to stop us. And so, you know, it, I I think it's it kind of what Sloaner's saying. I I think it's just going to be an interesting coaching matchup, and as Venable changes looks schemes blitz packages how we adjust and do we adjust quickly and then you know take what the you know the the defense is giving you they cannot stop everything right right so Throw the ball to Ruckert or Farrell, right? I'd like to see the tight ends get involved, mm-hmm. you know, swing the ball out of, you know, to, to Sermon out of the backfield, depending on what look Venables is giving you. Mm-hmm. I think a high
0: State has to be very quick to identify it and then adjust. So that's my biggest concern. Okay. So the biggest concern, it sounds like in your view, is more from a coaching perspective. Tim, how about you? Uh,
3: I'm not worried about our offensive line uh, versus their defensive line. I'm certainly not worried about our receivers. Uh, I'm not worried about uh, our running back. I think uh, I think Sermon is surging at exactly the right time. Uh, and so, you know, look, maybe this is Captain Obvious comment, but what that leaves in my mind that I'm concerned about is Justin Fields. Mm. Um, and if you look at the six games that, that he's played, uh, you know, he had three really good games to start, uh, and then he's had, you know, two out of his last three games have not been good. Um, and you know, I don't expect him to have a not good game against Clemson. I actually expect him to be fine. But the reason I bring it up is because there is no Ohio state without Justin Fields, period. So if he's off, if he's having a bad game, if he's, you know, if they're getting to him, if he's just, if he's playing how he played against Indiana and Northwestern, where he had five picks, Mm, like it's, it's binary, like Ohio state's not even going to be in the game. Right. And so that's what I'm concerned about.
0: Matt, how about you?
2: You know, I like Paige, I was kind of startled by all those stats. And then this little idea came into my head that they play in the AC and the ACC and they played uh, Notre Dame twice. And that kind of made me feel a little bit better. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm with you,
3: Slaughter.
2: Um, you know, I agree with Tim and Paige on those things. It's like the two biggest spotlights of this game are on Justin Fields and. Coach Day, yeah, they have the most to prove, and they have a lot to prove. Uh, these are defining games for both of them. So, uh, like I, like I, like Tim ran down, like the running backs, the wide receivers, wide receivers, the the, the uh, offensive line. yeah, I feel strange. They have been steady. They have been yeah. even better than steady. Mm-hmm. The person who hasn't been steady is the person we have maybe asked to do too much and it's gotten into his head where he needs to do too much and he doesn't. He just needs to be super solid, smart, which he is more than capable of doing. I think when he tries to go outside that it's, he could do something amazing, but he can do something that is wholly detrimental to the team. So yeah. I think I'm, that's where I'm, I agree with Tim and, and Paige that the coaching and the play calling and in the, um, the the game, how fields does. Okay, Chad. How about you? I have no concerns,
1: and I'll tell you why. All right, because Justin Fields is going to rush for at least one hundred and seventy-five yards. Wow! They're not going to know what's like. They're going to have to. <laughs> I, I, you mark my words. He will. <laughs> is, rush that a, is, that, yards. Uh, is that a Is that? I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's and they're going to like and and play calling is going to be – because Fields are not going to know if he's going to run. And then the play calling from there, you got Sermon dumping off. You got our tight ends. You got our receiving core. So I, there I said it. It might sound like a, like a total like, cocky like bullshit statement, but I have no concerns <laughs> on offense whatsoever. And I feel like Day is going to call a hell of a game.
0: All right. Paige, Tim, Matt, you guys have expressed some concerns about coaching, about Ryan Day. I, I feel like he's, he's having a bit of a sophomore slump. As a second-year coach, I, I thought he called the two worst games of his career against Indiana and Northwestern. Now I know there were some extenuating circumstances against Northwestern with some key personnel out, but I, I know this this sentiment has already been expressed. But I'll repeat it anyway. Day, Day has to do a better job of balancing the aggressiveness that he claims is one of the trademarks of his program, and then against taking what the defense gives them, taking what's their page. I think is what is, is the way you like to say it, and I I totally agree. Our friend Bill Landis of The Athletic made a really good observation from the Big Ten Championship game on the 4-6 to 6 with A&B podcast last week, which I wanted to share with you guys. I thought it, was, it illustrated where day, I think, has been coming up a little short in terms of play calling. It was after Proctor's interception in the fourth quarter. There was a long run by Sermon that set Ohio State up at the Northwestern 12-yard line. This is early in the fourth quarter. The Buckeyes are clinging to a 13-10 lead. Sermon gets stuffed for a one-yard loss on first down. It's like the only time Northwestern stopped him all afternoon. So it's second and 11. Ohio State is in max protection with only two receivers on routes. They run a play action, which Northwestern doesn't bite on because why would you? It's second and 11. And the Wildcats drop seven in coverage. So you have two receivers trying to get open against seven Wildcats in coverage on a compressed field deep in the red zone. Fields ends up scrambling on the play. He's run out of bounds ends up spraining his thumb on his throwing hand. Ryan Day, you're better than that. I I thought that play was very illustrative, and and I think that's where he's got to be better. Uh, He's not been good in some of the bigger moments this year for Ohio State at, at recognizing the moment, recognizing what's working, and also recognizing what's not working. So my faith in in Day as a play caller is a little shaken, to be totally honest. Chad, I wish I had your your confidence and your faith. And, and I I hope I'm wrong about this as a concern. But you know, Day has made some head scratching moves, not just year, not just this year, but also kind of going back to the 2019 season, if we're being honest, right? He had a curious play call to throw the ball on fourth down late in the game against Penn State that led to Justin Fields' knee injury. He had a couple of you know, hyper-aggressive play calls in the Fiesta Bowl that were very costly, you know, that didn't go our way. So I want to see a better plan for the offense in this game. I know this is a sentiment that's already been expressed. I'm going to echo that. I want to see quicker in-game adjustments than what we saw against Indiana and Northwestern. If Clemson's giving you a light box because they're dropping seven dudes in coverage, then make them pay for it by hammering them with that NFL offensive line and Trey Sermon. And if they're sending those everything but the kitchen sink blitzes, it feels like Indiana. Then make sure Fields has some quick, you know, safety valves, little quick throws underneath that he can make to keep the offense on schedule. Fields cannot make any of
4: those just head scratching scramble, throw the ball up in the middle of the field, right? Just try and make something out of nothing, right? Can't do that. not against right. this team. Yeah. Right. He, he, and that's yeah. what they're going to do, though. That's that's what Clemson is going to do. There's going to be those situations. Throw the ball into Section A, throw it out of the
0: stadium. Yeah. Right. Just a, don't- winning exactly. a winning play. That's a winning play in that situation. Right. Yeah. He, by the way, to, to, to echo your point, Paige, he had one of those throws against Northwestern that he got away with. Yeah. Where he was being tackled, he chucked it up and it could have been picked. He was very lucky that wasn't a pick six going the other way
2: you know it, it goes on two sides i read i read something today that was really i think that would bode well for day and the team and the, the coaching staff is there's there's a difference between reacting to something and responding to something mm-hmm. and when you react to something you make rash decisions when you respond to it it has some kind of a more premeditated it has a better a more reflective and a more strategic move to it so i hope that you know th- that they kind of Get confidence in what they have and don't go overly cute because I think a team like Clemson kind of inspires you to do cute plays <laughs> rather, rather rather than doing what
0: you do well. Yeah, I like that point. You know what I think also might help is that the Heisman is off the table now for Fields, and also that Ryan Day no longer has to worry about style points to impress the playoff committee. I mean, I feel like Fields may have gotten a little caught up in chasing his Heisman moment against Indiana and Northwestern. You know, trying to do too much in pursuit. Of an individual award, I thought that was especially true against Indiana because we saw several plays like that. Page to your point, point. and I think Ryan Day's hyper aggression on the play calling front and his refusal to take what opposing defenses have conceded, at least in part, were maybe the product of a small number of games to build a playoff resume. When all those two factors are off the table, and you just you just go win a damn game, as, as uh, Urban Meyer likes to say, right? So that that might be a positive for Ohio State now that those two things are off the table.
4: I, I think the last thing is on a positive note, you know, you, you kind of got to take him at his word of how challenging the season has been, right? Yeah. They prepared, you know, they, they had three games taken away from them. They had multiple players out. They haven't had a lot of continuity. Let's just hope these two weeks with, we're hoping the entire team back that they do, you know, sort of gel come together. They come up with a great game plan and they play their best game, right? That's what we need to see. Cause they clearly haven't done that. And if they do, then
0: I think Ohio State wins this game. On, on that, that point, give me a matchup that you like for this Ohio State offense against that Clemson defense. Oh, I,
4: dude, I'm just so excited to see what Alave does. I mean, you talk about Wyatt Davis and uh, Wade. Yeah, they came back for this game. Who wants this game more than Chris Alave? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's when I was, you know, talking about, well, Ryan Day is still going to be aggressive, right? And I, you know, I don't care who your corner is, Alave, he's going to, yeah, if we
0: win this game, it's going to be because he has a hell of a game. I like that. Chad, you probably already hinted at it, but what matchup do you like for Ohio State against the Clemson D?
1: Justin Fields. Yep. I mean, pretty, pretty plain and simple, man. I, you know, he has been like, and Tane just, just said it, and a lot of, I think a lot of people forget, you know, this this whole thing continuity, getting a uh, fluidity in our offense. I mean, you know, you look at it. We've had six games and on some of those games, you didn't have our, you know, one of our like star receivers in yeah. there. And, you know, there, there's been all these, these these pieces, you know, for the puzzle. But, you know, like Paige said, I hope this two weeks will so give him this time to get more in sync. But, you know, Justin Fields is going to be the man. He needs to not Try to make something out of nothing. And if that's the case, man, tuck the fucking ball and run, dude. You know what I mean? Don't sit back there and try to, like, dodge, you know, tacklers and all that bullshit. Just either get rid of the ball or take off running, dude. Because I'll tell you what, this is your going to be, could possibly be your last, let's not hope, but possibly one of your last collegiate football games. So just, you know, leave it all out there, brother. Let's go. All
0: right, Tim. Give me a matchup you like for the Ohio State offense against the Clemson defense.
1: You know, I,
3: I like our offensive line against their defensive line. I just like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to that's gonna be the key to the game. Because if our offensive line dominates, then, I mean, remember, we are talking about Alave and Fields and like all this. Everybody remember the game that J.K. Dobbins had last year yeah. against, against Clemson. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge they, game. And we need the balance. We need Sermon to have a big game uh, and we need fields to have time and our receivers will get open. Uh, And so to me, I think it comes down to our offensive line. And frankly, I like our offensive line against the young defensive line.
0: I like that.
2: Matt, how about you? Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, is, is Teague out?
0: Remains to be seen. We okay. don't know yet.
2: Because I, was, I had to say if those two are both if Teague is up to the up for the game, like that's a good one-two combination because they have different running styles and it could that could further offset and help one of their or both their running, uh, mat you know running games, uh, because they're different kind of runners. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't. Plug my boy Triple Distilled Jameson, <laughs> and since, since, that, since
4: that booze is not aging well, my friend,
2: it only it, hey, you only tastes good if you open the bottle, buddy. Can't let it sit on the shelf. It's not good if you let it sit on the shelf. Page. Um, so I will say he will have two touchdowns. Wow. Just because he's deserved it, and anyone who scores a uh, a receiving touchdown, I'm just going to give him credit. And fuck fuck <laughs> if you don't. Fuck if you don't like that. <laughs> All right, so you like
0: you like uh, the forgotten you know, man? Well,
1: yes. You know, Slur, This might be like we were talking about earlier. Like, you know, there's pressure on. Like, I don't know who said it, but. One of those little dump out passes for him, man, when there's all like blitzing, like, you know, like the ACDC. Let's just dump it off of him, let him let those wheels go down the turf, man.
2: He's, he's, dude, he's got a cape and a magic hat. All you got to do is open the curtain and let him
0: perform. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I am with you, Chad. I, I think Justin Fields is the matchup that. I like the most for Ohio State against the Clemson defense. All due respect to an underrated Ohio State running game that has far exceeded expectations this season. Fields is the matchup I like throwing to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson against this Clemson defense. Now, this is no knock on what looks like a rock-solid Clemson secondary. Give me Fields, Olave, and Wilson that Ohio State passing game against any defense in the country. Fields is 19-1 and as a starter with 60 touchdown passes to only eight interceptions with a career completion percentage of 69%. And somehow folks are questioning if he's any good right now. I mean, this game has become kind of a referendum on Fields, which is a little absurd. I mean, okay, look, Fields had a rough second half against Indiana, but he still threw for 300 yards, ran for another 78, and accounted for three touchdowns in that game. We don't win that game without Justin Fields. And in the two games that followed that one, He had to play without his starting left and right tackles, his starting center, without his head coach, and without his position coach. I mean, he spent half the game against Michigan State digging shotgun snaps out of the turf because his left guard had to play center. Then he had to face one of the country's top pass defenses without two of his top three receivers. Chris Olave, look, man, he's as important to Ohio State as Devontae Smith is to Alabama. Now, Smith's a better player, but in terms of what these players mean to their offenses, Olave, equally important to Ohio State. He was a big loss for the Buckeyes. And I feel like maybe Fields is being judged a little unfairly because of some of those extenuating circumstances, largely due to COVID. If Ohio State is whole for this game, and all indications are that they will be, I expect greatness from Fields, Olave, and Wilson on Friday night. So that's the matchup I love.
2: Why, why is that unfair, though? He is, he is the most, one of the most lauded quarterbacks of our era. Um, he, you know, he, he, if things are going great, that is great. He's doing, but, but let's look at it truthfully on the, on the bigger games. So a lot of them he hasn't done
0: great. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, he deserves, he definitely deserves some criticism for some of the decisions that he's made. I personally am going to lay it most of it at the feet of the guy making four and a half million dollars a year. Ryan Day, right? I mean, right. he has not had a great plan for the Ohio State passing game. I think, I think we've all acknowledged that, both against Indiana and Northwestern. So I lay, I don't want to say all of it, but a good deal of it at Ryan Day's feet. He's got to have a better plan for Fields.
2: Yeah, that's that's fair. And at the end of the day, though, this is a you know, was he a junior who puts on yeah. his helmet for puts on the helmet for himself? So it's up yeah. to him to make the plays. Look, I, I have a lot of the confidence in his ability. I think he's had I. I look at failures as lessons. So I think he seems at least the things that I've read about him that he's taking it as such. Right. So I'm, I'm excited to see how he comes up because there's not going to be any bigger spotlight, perhaps if, you know, if they win, they beat Clemson. But to this point, this is the biggest spotlight on Justin Field and his playing.
0: I mean, if I would have told you guys, you know, after the Penn state game, let's say that Ohio state would make the playoff and, The biggest question, some of the biggest questions we'd have about them going into that game is related to Justin Fields. I mean, none of us would have believed it. It's crazy that we're here, but I I, I do think you're right. He deserves some of the criticism. I kind of like the fact. I mean, would you guys agree? It's kind of great that Fields has something to prove, and he's not a Heisman finalist, and he he could come into this game with a chip on his shoulder. I don't know. I think that favors us, I think.
4: Well, I like that. You have the insufferable. What did he say today? That uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is the epitome of Heisman. I mean, dude, just, just shut up. <laughs> like we we know he's great. It's like he's going to New York. Just shut your mouth. But yeah, you're right, Zach. I mean, there's there's definitely. Um, I, I agree with both you guys, right? Like Sloaner, Yeah, he 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 is responsible for his own actions. I do think the play calling has been somewhat, you know, suspect and you day needs to own some of that as well. I, I do think, you know, n- not having three of your offensive linemen is a big freaking deal. Although yeah. he played pretty well. He in was that great game. that game.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, but, you know, sort of putting a bow on it. Couldn't you almost make, make the case that whomever has a better game, Justin Fields or Lawrence wins this game right i mean i think so oh th- yeah those two guys are, you know th- they are going to you know it's the most important position on the field whoever has the better game on saturday when we're we're talking about this is probably the team who won the game
0: so is it whoever makes the most plays for his team or is it whoever makes the least mistakes Maybe That's a combination
4: probably, of both. Yeah, it's probably a combination of both. It's yeah. kind of like I said before, like a high state, even with all the things that went against them last year, it still came down to Lawrence just killing them in the yeah. last eight minutes of that game. He won that game for them, him and Etienne. Same thing's probably going to happen again. And by the way, Justin Fields almost, you know, checkmated him if Lave doesn't break off that pattern, yeah. right? I mean, it might be the guy who has the ball
0: last in this game. Who yeah. knows? But it will come down to the quarterback, I bet. Before we fire up the concernometer meter and go around the horn and get a readout from each of you guys, um, I did want to mention, I listened to a couple of interviews with Matt Conley. Now, he's the Clemson beat writer who covers the Tigers for the state. And I, I thought there were some revealing things that he said. First of all, Conley said, he, he, was, he was interviewed by Buckeye Talk and also by Buckeye Scoop. He says that Clemson is not as good on the offensive line or at receiver compared to last year, which I think we've all established. But you know they still have Lawrence and ETN who are elite. And obviously, we've established that as a major concerns. It was interesting toward the end of the podcast that Connolly did with Buckeye Talk. They hadn't even really finished breaking down Clemson, Ohio State. He jumped ahead to how Clemson compares to Alabama and how he thought Clemson would match up with them in the national championship game and how he thought the Clemson defensive line could contain Najee Harris and how the Clemson offense would be able to score at will on the Bama D, much as Florida did in the SEC title game. He said that Clemson's mindset is Ohio State is really just a stepping stone to the national championship game. They, they don't really care who they face in the semis. Ohio State is kind of like this nameless, faceless opponent in their opinion. The ultimate he said goal- that? The, the, yeah. I mean, he did say it like, like that, but he, he didn't use those exact words. But he, bas- he did say they don't really care who they face in the semis. Right. So the ultimate goal for Clemson is avenging that loss in the national championship game. He said that Clemson fans like to get under Ohio State fans' skin by saying that- uh, Ohio State can't even beat Clemson's little brother, South Carolina. Ohio State is 0-2 all time against South Carolina. So I thought that was revealing, you know, that this is a guy who's pretty plugged into the way Clemson thinks, the way their fans think, the, way the what the thinking is like around the program. All right, let's fire up the concernometer, meter Tim, I want to start with you. Give me your level of concern for this game. Uh, I don't
3: know how it's anything but 10.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, we have a monkey on our back and he's orange and he's a fucking pain in the ass. Um, and, you know, until we get rid of it, uh, you know, it is, there's, there's Ohio state has a lot to prove uh-huh. uh, going back to Woody 2013. Uh, you know, it's just, it has been a bad uh, run against Clemson um, and they got to get it off. And until they do, um, you know, Clemson gets to say things like you can't beat my little brother. Yeah. Um that's totally fair. Uh if I were them I'd say the same thing. So um you know, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a really good game, but uh I'd be lying if I said my concernometer was anything but
0: that. Fair point, Chad. How about you? Where's your concernometer?
1: Oh, I mean, I don't want to put it at a 10. Um yeah, I am concerned. I you know, I'm going to go with a
2: 7.5. 7.5. Okay. Explain. Yeah, that 0.5, playing (laughs) the (laughs) 0.5.
1: Well, I didn't want to go to the eight, Loner, so I just didn't want to go to the eight. so I went to 0.5. I, uh, you know, I I really feel good about this game, guys. I really do, man. I think we're going to come out looking like a different, like we should have looked all year long in a normal season. So I'll
4: stick with the 7.5. Fair enough. Paige? Yeah, I'm with Tim? I don't know how you can't be anything other than a 10 Um, historically. And, and also to Chad's point, how we looked against Northwestern, you have to be a 10 here. Now, that being said, I do expect a high state to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost either. And I think from an X's and O's and coaching perspective, yeah, this is clearly a 10 and we've got to get that monkey off our back. I liken it back to, you know, the, the sec days right where we just weren't you know fast enough strong enough to compete with them it's ironic now we're dealing with the same bullshit against clemson it's got to (laughs) end
2: okay matt how about you i think ohio state will win but i could see how they can lose that was such a brilliant insight
4: (laughs) i didn't say how they could i i would be surprised get it straight
2: so you didn't say surprise. You would you would not be surprised. All the tape back, Zach. All the tape back <laughs> because they lost last year. Yeah, great imagination. Um, so concern has two has a bunch of, like most words has a bunch of d- different definitions. You know, one is anxiety, and worry, and this, another one is a matter of interest or importance to someone. So you know, as far as anxiety, worry, zero. It will be what it will be. But I think in terms of what it matters to someone. I think it's like a freaking 10 for coach day because you should, you shit the bed twice and the whistles on the question trainer started to blow a little louder because Mm -hmm. so like, Mm -hmm. that's the interesting thing for me of concern. And for the second definition, I put it as a 10 for Mr. Day.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you guys. It's gotta be a 10. And you know what? This is the way it should be. This is a national semifinal. This is a talent equated game. So, the concernometer should be like you know smoking at ten, and 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 for me it is. Clemson's the most complete team in the field. Page, you made that point on our last pod, and I agree with you. They don't have any obvious weaknesses that we can see right now. They're probably the only team in the country that has the edge over Ohio State at quarterback. Maybe you could make an argument for Alabama as well. And they have another player in Travis Etienne that Ohio State doesn't really have an answer for. And if we're being honest, they also have a pretty decisive coaching edge right now. For being objective about it, Dabo Sweeney has the advantage over Ryan Day. You know, Brent Venables—he's the best assistant coach in the country. I think you give him a clear edge over Kerry Combs right now. There has to be some concern around Justin Fields' shaky play versus Indiana and Northwestern. I know I just explained that away, but you know, against the Clemson defense that can do everything that the Hoosiers and the Wildcats can do in terms of exotic pressures and mixing up coverages, only they're, they're bringing better players to the table to execute those things. I think it's incumbent on Ryan Day to have an infinitely better plan. I know I'm, I'm beating that point to, uh, to, to death. Ohio State lost three games to COVID, three opportunities to work out kinks, three opportunities to get some of their younger players valuable game experience, three opportunities to beef up their statistical profile. So There is a bit of an unknown with this team. Does it have another gear it can reach? And it, it has it just not had enough opportunities to demonstrate that yet? I guess you can look at that in two, positively or negatively. Uh, I guess I'm going to choose to look at that positively, that maybe there's another gear there that Ohio State hasn't shown yet that they'll be able to reach in this game. Also, is, is the thumb on field's throwing hand okay? That kind of factors into my concernometer score. We, we don't know yet. I, I haven't really heard anything. I think it's probably going to be fine. All right it's time for score predictions. Tim, I want to start with you. Give me your score prediction.
3: So my score prediction uh, is uh, Ohio state 34, the Clemson 31. Um, however, I want to, I want to also add that, you know, when you, when you, when I look at this game, uh, you know, and you look at a, you look at a range of outcomes. Um, that's the outcome I'm going with. Uh, but there's lots of other outcomes, obviously that can happen. And to me, outcome number two for me uh, is Ohio State forty-five, Clemson twenty-four? Like wow. I think there's a healthy chance. My second scenario is Ohio State actually <laughs> beats the shit out of Clemson and fucking offends yes, all Jim the. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, love oh, uh, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, so I'm gonna so kick we, it to you. So is there a limit on scenarios? Can I go up to four? <laughs> um so I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be more like Tim's scenario number one, uh 32 27 Buckeyes.
0: 32 27 Buckeyes, PBH. So,
4: I originally have Clemson 38, Ohio State 30. Wow. And I, as as much as it pains, I, I think the only way Ohio State wins that game, wins this game, is you just said it, Zach. Do they find another gear? And the reason would be because they've had such a tough year just getting games canceled, yeah. players not available for games. I don't think by any objective perspective, just watching the 17 games that you can say Ohio State's the better team and should win this game. Um, now, so I'm sticking
0: with Clemson 38, Ohio State 30. Wow. Clemson 38, what? Ohio State 30, yep. PVH. Okay. This isn't a rah-rah oh thing.
4: It's what I think. Okay. Call. So okay. 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 All
2: right. You do know if that doesn't happen, the next podcast could be your most-
4: my Not last, awful, like, my last got podcast. Awful. Yeah, the most
2: god-awful experience.
4: <laughs> I, dude, I hope it is. I hope I would love nothing more than to just get hazed for 60 minutes oh, and be wrong God. because Ohio State won. That is an optimal outcome for me. <laughs>
0: All right. So you're ready to face the firing squad PBH if you're that, wrong about this. Okay, fair enough. I do like I have it. a choice? You know these people. Do I
4: have a choice about getting hazed for an hour? No.
0: CP? 731 Buckeye. Buckeyes. Yep. Okay. You know, Looking back on last year's Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State actually didn't play all that well. They were minus two in turnover margin, minus 30 in penalty yardage. They had three trips inside the Clemson 11-yard line and had to settle for field goals all three times. The defense had a season-high 12 missed tackles, which I mentioned previously. And yet, Ohio State probably should have won that game. I, I don't think we have that kind of margin for error in this game. And I think our path to victory is a little narrower But there is a path and it involves two factors. One's more of a tangible factor. The other is more of an intangible. I made reference to this earlier. The highest concentration of elite talent and experience on this Ohio State team are at quarterback with Fields, at receiver with Olave and Wilson, and on the offensive line. Based on what I've seen through six games, to me, the only path to victory is Fields, Wilson, Olave, and that offensive line just being special and executing a great plan for the passing game by Day and Wilson. That is Ohio State's best chance at greatness in this game, and they have to be great. So that's the more tangible X's and O's factor that I see. Now, if we're talking about intangible, it could have an impact on this game. After Championship Saturday, Dabo Sweeney made a very strong statement about how he views Ohio State when he put them 11th on his final ballot for the coaches poll. There is a little bit of a Miami 2002 vibe coming off this Clemson team right now. Not quite as brash or arrogant, you know. Dabo, their head coach, is doing most of the talking. But the question for me is, can Ryan Day take advantage of Clemson's overconfidence in this game? Can he use it to motivate his team, to have them playing with a huge chip, to help them find another level, which I think they're going to need to find to win this game? Can he use Dabo Sweeney's hubris and arrogance against him? Day has to harness it and use it in the right way. So those are the two factors. I got Ohio State winning this one 30 to twenty eight and an absolute classic, and onward I love and upward,
1: it, Z, nice
0: onward and upward to the national championship game.
1: Dave can sock it.
0: <laughs> that I tell you what though, I mean, come on, this is fun, isn't it? I mean, it, it's fun. He's it adding is. some it's intrigue awesome. here, right? I mean, it's 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 more fun when you hate the other team. And uh, you
1: know what's crazy though that they dug up a quote Z from back I don't know it was like a month or two ago before all of this, and he goes. But when he was asked about the Big Ten, he goes, oh, hell, the way the season's going here, you never know how many games you're going to play. It's a hell of a league. You know, and now right. he's totally flipped. You know, it's just, it's funny. It's I, just, it's funny.
0: You know, yeah. how much of, of, of Debo's comments do you think are related to the fact that Ryan Day is kind of the new kid on the block? Sweeney's part of the establishment, right? It's also worth pointing out Nick Saban did not have Ohio State in his top four on his final ballot for the coaches poll. I wonder if, if it's a little jab at, at, at day. Like, hey, you know, if people are mentioning you in the same breath as me. Okay, well, I, you know, you got to prove it. I built my program, you inherited yours. All right, guys. Hey, look, we are well over an hour, but before I let you go, I wanted to have a quick look, just get a, a quick prediction from each of you on the other semifinal Alabama, Notre Dame. The line is Alabama minus 19 and a half. I think that line's gone up two and a half points since it came out and this game is going to be played also on ESPN before Ohio state. It is a 4 PM Eastern kick. Tim, how do you see that game? Who do you think wins it?
3: Uh, Well, I definitely think Alabama wins it, but I don't think that they cover 19 and a half.
0: So I think actually Notre Dame plays, plays
3: decent and uh, is probably even within two touchdowns. I think Bama maybe wins by 10 points.
4: Well, okay. Page. Yeah. i Disagree. I I mean Notre Dame's signature win is at home against Clemson without half their team, Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) And when they played the real Clemson, it was what 38 to 3. It wasn't even close. I think Alabama's better than Clemson. Um, and so yeah, I think it could be ugly. I'm gonna go like 48 to 14.
0: Okay,
2: Matt? Uh, you know, Notre Dame, along with shit again, have become, you know, the two biggest mirage teams, you know, hype. (laughs) Freaking hype bullies who will, once you tag them on the nose, they are literally the tanning beds in the land of 80 degree sunny days. So, <laughs> uh, so, I will say apologies to Joe oh, and my man, uh, Frank Stams, but Alabama by six touchdowns. So, whatever, si- whatever, six, so whatever, six times seven is, you have my score.
0: All right. <laughs> okay. Chad, I know what a huge Notre Dame fan you are, so uh, how do you, how do you see this yes. game?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I see this game 56-13.
0: All right. Alabama. I tend to agree with you guys. I think Alabama probably rolls. There is one thing that gives me pause and I kind of feel like Alabama has been let off the hook for this by Everyone, and you know, it's because they've earned the benefit of the doubt. It's Nick Saban, it's Bama. They're in this, you know, they're they're they they win titles virtually every year, but they give up a lot of points, right? Forty-six points in the SEC title game. I think they gave up forty-nine to Old Miss earlier this year, and like six hundred total yards of offense. Uh, yeah, I, you know, again, I th- I don't think Notre Dame has the firepower offensively to take advantage of that, but I don't know. Does that come back to haunt Alabama at any point? during this playoff. It'll be interesting to find out. All right, boys, we are well over an hour. This has been a fantastic effort for a Monday afternoon. Why don't we end things here and plan to reconvene over the weekend to talk about what we hope will be an Ohio State victory over Clemson. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.